You're listening to the Country Chat Podcast with your host, Dom. Subscribe, give a five-star rating, and follow us on Twitter at country underscore chat. And stay up to date. Hi there. This is the Country Chat Podcast with me, Dom. Today, I've got Stuart Landon with me. Hi, Stuart. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I mean, weather's been a bit naff, but... It is what it is. Yeah, it's not much we can... We live in England, don't we? So we kind of get used to it. I mean, I listened to Country Hits this morning and I think it was Jenny. She was saying, um, you know, this weather's bizarre because you can be in your bikinis and swimsuits one day and then, you know, turn eating up next. I know, we could do that in the same day at the minute. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> You've got a new song out. I have indeed. Lonely. Mm-hmm. I mean, Wow. I don't. You've probably read my review, and it was yes. Thank you for that. It was brilliant, by the way. No worries. I mean, that's probably the most in depth I've got into a song, but it's one of the songs that have really, really impacted me emotionally. Okay. You know, because it's such a, it, it's a, I know it's a topic about the big C, mm-hmm. but it can almost be transcribed into other topics as well. You know, not just going through that, but it's like depression as well and being isolated yeah i think i think any song that everybody kind of finds something different in songs like that i suppose or, or any song you know i think that it was written about you know charlotte's battle even though charlotte didn't know originally it was written about her until she asked me to give me the you know give give her the backstory on the song because her and simon who did all the artwork and everything um through halo creative they they thought it was about depression you know so and i said well it kind of can from the same because I think yeah. if you suffer with depression, um, which I have done in the past, you, it, it is a lonely place to be. And it is something that people identify with because it's a lot of more people now are coming forward saying, you know, they suffer with anxiety and depression, which is great because if one thing I learned is you've got to talk about it. You know, you've got to open up to people and, and it really does help. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's the main thing I got from it was it was just such a, I mean, my I've had people in my family that have suffered with cancer and mm-hmm. I suffer with depression myself, so it was almost like this mm-hmm. big, overwhelming... It, it's everything from, you know, the lyrics all the way through to the musicianship, you know, the instrument, instruments used, to yeah. even the artwork. The artwork is just yeah. out of this world. Yeah, it's stunning. It's stunning. I mean, it was uh, Simon that did the artwork, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, Simon Birds, yeah. How did that all come about then? Did he just, like, have a drawing or just came to you with this, oh, this is what I think should go with it? yeah. Pretty much, they sent me um, a couple of of proofs of different things, and one was a house, kind of on the edge of a lake in the middle of nowhere, you know, kind of vibe. Um, so, and 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 obviously the eye. When I saw the eye, I was like, "Yeah, we've got to go with that one." It's just, you know, and it was just the, the, and the attention to detail in it was brilliant, you know. And I was just like, "Wow, this is this is amazing." Yeah, I mean, the one thing that I really liked about the eye was. I mentioned it in my review was the fact it can be construed as two ways. You know, one is an actual physical reflection looking out and uh-huh. there's only one person in front of you. And then the other way is looking in almost the eyes, almost like the window to the soul kind of thing. Yeah. That's, that's the vibe I got. You know, you kind of look in the, through the eyes, a window yeah. into something. It's, it's just so phenomenal. Was, the color schemes as well. It just, I just love it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, like I say, I had nothing to do with that. All I did was kind of okay the, the design and everything else was down to those guys. Now, actually writing the song, you know, when about did you actually write it? Well, I had the idea um, a few years ago, just, but then I really sort of kind of sat down with it sort of last year um, when Charlotte was re-diagnosed. And, you know, we had some quite frank chats between us as, as an artist and manager and, and, and friends as well, you know, uh, but just the fact that, there could come a time when she wouldn't be there to, to or be able to kind of do the work she does for me, you know. And so it was kind of like, it was quite almost like a, an awakening. You kind of think, wow, this could, you know, she could be gone yeah. kind of thing, um, which is which is really, really, it's, it's not only is it sad, it's worrying, it's, 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 it's horrendous, you know. To, and I just thought, I wonder what it must be like to, because if you knew Charlotte, you, you kind of like, you would never know. Yeah, that she was, you know, she's such a fighter, and she kind of gets on with stuff, and you know, she still, she was still working just as hard when, you know, people had advised her not to do that, you know, but that's what she does. That's the way she gets through things. She kind of just gets on with it, and and I just thought, wow, 
how lonely that must be to kind of, and for anyone, you know, not just Charlotte, because like I say, people, anyone can identify with, like you said, you know, you've had friends and family that have been diagnosed and suffered with cancer and it's not some, not a battle that everyone can win. Yeah. Know? So to live you, to live the rest of your life, knowing that it could all come to an end that, you know, I mean, I know we're all going to die at some point. It's, it's inevitable, but to know that it's on the horizon, it's just, wow. And some people are just so brave and just kind of, just kind of get on with stuff like, like they're not even suffering, you know, which is, which is yeah. amazing. I mean, it certainly puts it all into perspective. Hmm. 100%, you know, and, and and I suppose you never know what kind of person you're going to be until you're faced with that. Yeah, I mean, stuff like that, it really, it can change somebody. You know, you can live your life being all, you know, all arrogant and, you know, no, it's going to hurt you. And the next thing you know, you could be knocking on death's door and it's, you can, you know, we could just walk out into the street as morbid as it sounds yeah. and get run over. No, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And, it's just, and I think that sometimes people are lucky and they kind of get that second second lease of life and, and they and they embrace it because they know how close they've come to kind of ending, you know, the life ending at that point. Now, when it comes to Charlotte, when did you two actually meet? Um, we met, see, I'm, I'm crap with times. Um, <laughs> I think, uh, yeah, about four or five years ago, we met at a gig. She was managing um, Ash Cooper, who's, who's a friend of mine. And and we just we just said hello. It was only a brief meeting. And, and then we became friends on Facebook as you know, as things happen nowadays, you kind of meet someone, don't you? And then make friends with them on Facebook. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and then, and then she was doing this survive project, you know, this, um, her EP, you know, where she got, she written the songs and she got different artists to, um, to record them. And, uh, she sent me some lyrics to shatter like glass. And I did a demo that day, sent it back to her. And she said, this is amazing. I want to put it on the EP. And so we kind of did, did the, did the single together, did the promo for the single, and um, she was saying, do you want a manager? And I was like, well, I, wasn't, I wasn't really in a position where I felt like I needed a manager at the time because I just put the angels with dirty faces together. And yeah, we were just kind of, we were just kind of feeling our way out back onto the scene. Cause I used to play on the scene a, a few years back with my brothers, but it's changed massively in some respects where I, I kind of, a lot of people I kind of knew back then I did, I don't know now or didn't, or didn't know that. Um, so it was kind of like, I was like, well, I'm just kind of doing a few gigs, seeing what the vibes like and, but then when we did the the, um, the the promo tour for the single, I was really impressed on how organised she was and uh, I, I, she got stuff done and I was just like, okay, well, let's give it a try. And that was it. And then she became the manager and 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 she's been that ever since. I mean, you've had so much success with it all. I mean, your, your debut EP, that's been, mm-hmm. it's phenomenal. Everything. Yeah, I'm, I, to be fair, I'm, I find it all a bit mad. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, because you know, I, I don't. Um, I just put music out. Uh, you know, Charlotte's um, kind of gets a little bit sort of obsessed with with streams and, and chart positions and stuff, and, and rightly so because as the manager, she a lot of labels, promoters, all that kind of stuff. The people you kind of want to get work off or work with, they take a lot of this into, into account. Which is unfortunately, that's just the way of the music business, you know. Yeah. Um, so, but to me, I just make music to put out and for people to enjoy. And if we get, if we get success with it, then that's great, you know, and, and, and I love that, but it's never really been my you know, ultimate sort of goal when I write songs and put them out. Yeah. Well, that, that's the great thing about having a manager, you know, it allows you to decant that stress and leave all the, yeah. you know, the creative side to you. Yeah. 100%. You know, she takes, because we, I had this discussion, I did the ain't going down podcast, um, with them and we discussed the artist manager relationship and I said that what she does allows me to just to be a musician, you know, and, and for someone to do that all, all by themselves, they must be like working 26 hours a day because it is such a, such a full-time job, just, just managing, never mind making music. Yeah. Do you do any of your social media or does Charlotte do some of that and like a mix mash? Yeah, I'm really crappy. <laughs> I should do more. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm crap at a lot of things. To be um, but yeah, I should do, I should do a little bit more. Charlotte kind of does the, mainstay of it and and then i just kind of pitch in with bits and pieces as and when i can now leading up to the single you know this release for lonely you know what's it been like mm-hmm. actually doing all the prepare, uh, preparations and the you know getting everything together to be released you know has it been manic for you not really because again charlotte does all that you know she actually gives me dates when she wants things um you know kind of promo videos and and all that kind of stuff so i try and just give her what she wants as and when she needs it yeah now we've all been in this like lockdown period. It's been, it's been mental. It's been not not boring, but it's been so. It's almost like you're stuck in this box. 
how's it been for you? Um, to be fair, initially I loved it because it was like I had nowhere to be. You know, I could kind of sit in my studio all day, every day, and just and just. I mean, I've written another album, so yeah, that's I've been productive, um, and I've put two singles out while we've been in in lockdown. So I've kind of made the most of it in that respect. But yeah, I kind of like, I miss my family, miss my friends, miss going to the pub with you know with with the lads and um, and just yeah, just the whole normality of life's changed. It's kind of like it's, it's crazy. It's a scary time, um, but I hope slowly now we're kind of getting back out of it, but. I miss gigging so much, you know, I just, yeah. I miss, you know, I've done some live streams and as much fun as they've been, it's just not the same, you know, you just don't get the same buzz and the same adrenaline rush as you do when you're playing live. Yeah. I think that with the live streams, the main issue is it's not so much actually performing, but it's the fact that you're performing to like a reflection of you and all you can see are comments coming through. Yeah, it's crazy. And I'm, and I'm still not great at trying to read them as I'm playing, you know what I mean? So uh, it was, it, I've learned a new skill there by reading as I'm as I'm playing, um, and I'm, I was reading lyrics as well to some requests that I'd learned at the same time. So it was like I was kind of like multitasking. Yeah, well, that's it. It's one thing that we've never really been able to do. You know, it's almost like a stereotype. No, unfortunately, yeah, it's true, and it is true really, when it comes to me. Now going back a step, the Angels with Dirty Faces. Where mm-hmm. did where did that all kick off from? You know, what was the idea behind all that? Uh, well, basically. Like I said, me and my brothers were in a country band and Neil, the bass player that's in the Angels, was the bass player with us. And so um, we did that for a lot of years professionally as well and went all over Europe with it and won a BCMA back in the late 90s. And then um, the kind of scene sort of petered out for me. It was line dancing really took over and and as, as great as it was for one side of the scene, it wasn't great for sort of singer-songwriters and people that want to do their own material. Um, and, and, and we noticed that every year gigs were getting less and less. You know, we went from doing like 280, 290 gigs a year to sort of like 200, sometimes less. Yeah. So we kind of knew that the bubble had burst in that respect. And um, my youngest brother, Stephen, was a drummer, had started a, started an indie band with um, some friends of ours and Neil was a bass player. And, and um, I kind of went along as a second guitar player and which became the establishment. And then we managed to get a record deal and we did that for 10 years and went on tour with... Ocean Colour Scene and Status Quo and we played Reading and Leeds and yeah. and all that kind of stuff, Latitude and we played Wembley. So we yeah, we had a good run with that. Um but then we lost our record deal, unfortunately. And um so as as again, as the music business is, me and Neil had been talking about doing something back in country for a for a couple of years and that was all almost like the impetus to kind of get up and and so let's let's put a band together. So I kind of um Chris, the keyboard player. I'd worked with on various projects over the years. So I've known him for a long time. He brought in Danny, the drummer. Um, well, originally we had another, another a friend of mine, Danny, who, who kind of started the band with me. Uh, and then due to all the commitments kind of went off. And so we replaced him with another drummer called Danny. Um, who Chris, <laughs> That's easy. Who Chris had brought in. Yeah. So we don't get mixed up. And then, uh, and, and Chris brought Jack as well, the guitar player. Um, we met him at open mic nights and stuff. And just to look, I know a guitar player is a really, really good you know, good kid. He's only young, um, but he's a great player. So yeah, that was it. Put the band together, and we we went on the road with that. And and I love it. I love the lineup. Love the boys. Um, just just a, it's just a great band to be in. Yeah. What's it like then, actually, when you do like the solo stuff, and then going back to a band, and then do you find it's mind numbing going between the two, or is it just easy just to transition? No, I think I think if I had my choice, I would play the band every every night. You know, um, but unfortunately, some of these some of these venues, some of these gigs can't cater for that so you have to you have to sort of um you know diversify and, and and if i need to go on my own i can go on my own but i'd much rather play with the band but i mean don't get me wrong some of the some of the singer songwriter nights i've done i've really really enjoyed you know and some of them you can like hear a pin drop when you're playing your songs which yeah it's amazing you know people are really paying attention to what you're doing and and what you've written and and your performances but like i say if, if i had my choice i would play with the band you know 10 times out of 10 every, every single week you were supposed to be playing C two C as well, weren't you? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was frustrating. Yeah, we've, we've had a pretty crap year. To be fair, we've lost quite a lot of big things. We've had a, we had a couple of tours cancelled in and and things like that with some with some decent sized names. But again, it's 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 unfortunate. It's just everyone's suffering. You know, it's not just me. So that I think that's just uh, you know one thing you can kind of um, 
seek a bit of solace and it's not just me everyone's going through it you know so it's nothing personal we've just everybody's kind of lost gigs everybody's lost jobs everybody's kind of lost it's just it's just been a mental time yeah it has been naff it's it's i know it's something that we can't control you know nobody can control it but no. it's just it's upsetting i mean especially when you see these venues that are like almost on the brink of closing or have closed mm-hmm. it's so it's really upsetting it is and because and I was watching um, the news the other day. They were talking about the theatres and saying that it's not just the actors. It, they employ thousands of people, you know. Yeah. It will be backstage or sound or, or tickets or, you know, whatever, promotion. And it's a massive industry. And, and I think that I, I really hope the government step in and do something to save the arts because even though you don't know it, the arts affect everyone, you know, whether it be TV, film, you know, music, books. You know, everybody loves the arts, so it's something that's important that has to stick around. Exactly, you know? and it's not just like one particular section of the arts. Like, you know, you got your TV. I know certain like soaps and stuff are doing like social distancing mm-hmm. when they're filming, and but it's not just them. You know, it's it's a whole spectrum. You know, all the pubs are now starting to open on the fourth. Today's the first mm-hmm. of July for everybody listening, and yeah, they're all opening on the fourth. It's like, well, how come the pubs can open? but yet we can't go see people perform. I know there's the whole, you know, crowd mm-hmm. issue, but it's going to be the same, you know, in a pub. Yeah, it is. And, you, and, and obviously you can, it, nobody can perform in pubs either, you know, which is, yeah. which is really sad. But I kind of see the point, you know, I think that I was talking to a friend of mine and the fact that when, when uh, you know, a pub, they can show the live football because that doesn't cost them anything by the, by the license for Sky. Um, but I think that they've got to look at it and go, if, if I book... I don't know, somebody to come and play the pub. Normally they would pull in, let's say, hundred people or two hundred people. It would cover the cost of, of the pub paying for the act. Yeah. But if they if they can't if they can only bring forty people in or fifty people in, then it's financially it's not viable. So I kind of understand that as well. But um hopefully slowly will it will get back to normal. I mean the frustrating thing when you're trying to watch the news and stuff as well, it's like one day they're saying two meters is, you know, safe and then next to the saying mm-hmm. is oh it could be it could be reduced down to one meter and then it's like well okay then if it's reduced down to one meter can we now start looking at doing xyz it's just yeah it's a mess i think i think sometimes when you watch some of these you know government videos um it's uh sorry mate um i think that if you watch some of these videos that they um it just feels like they're just feeling the way through it. They're making it up as they go along. Yeah. There's no real sort of leader going, we're going to do this, we're going to do this. It's almost like, we're going to try this, we're going to try this and see what happens. But again, you know, to, to, on the flip side, this is unprecedented times. We've never had to go through anything like this. So we've never, we, we haven't got anything to compare it to. Yeah. Well, going on from that then, I want to talk about one of your slightly older songs. Um, P.S. I Loved You. Mm-hmm. What, who, was that, ain't, did you write that song? Yes. <laughs> now, th- th- I wanted to confirm that because who did you write that? You know, is that a true story? You know, writing this letter and then at the end of it saying, I, Pierce, I did love you kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> go on, go on, tell me more, tell me more. Okay, so um, I kind of met a girl a few years back and um, and it didn't end very well, Um and yeah, and I just like, you know, when you, people have begun through breakthroughs, breakups where they can't kind of get to talk to somebody and just get some answers and just get some closure. And yeah. And I thought the easiest way to do it would just be, you know, if you, when, you know, you can block texts and you can block phone calls and, and all that kind of stuff. So I just thought I'll write a letter. I'll just write a letter and, and just put, I'll put everything in the letter. And that's, the song's based around that really. See, that's just so personal. It's fantastic that. I think that I was always, you know, Growing up, being around other musicians and other songwriters, I was always advised to kind of write about what you know. You know, don't don't write about. I mean, I suppose you get artistic license in a lot of things that you write about, but I tend to write about stuff that either I've been through or I've seen somebody go through, or I've kind of you know, or even read about. You know, it's it's some things I've read about, things I've seen. It's most of my songs are all kind of loosely based around either what I've been through or I've seen somebody go through. Yeah. Now, mm. who, who was the person doing the harmonies on that song? Because it just all blends so naturally. Well, that's when we had we had because um, originally the, the Angels we went to a seven piece. We had two girls in the band. Yeah. Um, and at the time of recording, we, we always we were a six piece. So a girl called a singer. She's a singer as well, um, Callie Ashton. 
yeah. was doing the harmonies and the rest of the, the rest of the boys in the band because the beauty of I've got harmony singers in the band as well, which adds to the sound of the angels. Now, you mentioned Kelly Ashton. She actually features on another song, Aline Don. Yes, she does. Yeah. How, how come she was, you know, put put into the title on I Leaned On and not onto PS I Loved You? Oh, because um basically because she was in the band and then and then when she when she left, we just changed it so so it would recognise her name because ah, okay. originally she was part she was part of the angels, you see. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So 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 the songs where she sings lead vocals, we credited her after she'd left the band. So Ah, fair enough. I mean everything mm-hmm. every, her voice is just so I can't describe it. It's just so soft and it's just, it fits your, you know, that roughness, that Yeah, it's weird. It, like you wouldn't, yeah, you wouldn't think it would mix, you know, but it, but it does, it does mix quite well. I mean, like they say, you know, opposites attract kind of thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, that's what they say. <laughs> now, out of all the songs that you've released and say you was gigging right now, what are your go-to songs? What are your top like five songs that you want to perform? Um, I think PS I Loved You, that for me is more popular than I expected it to be. Yeah. Um, it seems to be a real favourite of, of people's, which again, I don't know what people are going to see in my song, so I just write them and and and, and put them out. So yeah, PS I Loved You is always a good one. I leaned on, I like to play live as well. Um, Can't Take It Anymore is a good one. I like to play that. Uh, Midnight Man, which I wrote about myself off at my Never Had Gun. And, and again, Shatter is a hugely popular song. So it, that kind of get, always gets requested at, you know, shows. Which one was the, out of, okay, then out of those five, what mm-hmm. was your quickest song to write? You know, which one actually just came to you in a flash? I mean, PS I Loved You was pretty quick. Maybe half an hour, 30 half an minutes hour. maybe. Yeah, pretty much. I write pretty quickly when I get the idea down. I mean, Lonely took me probably an hour to write once I got going with it, you know. Um, and then obviously, the, not to record and produce, obviously, but oh, just yeah, the, actual, the actual bare bones of it, yeah. So, um, P.S. I Loved You was pretty quick. Which one's been the longest one to do everything with, then like the production and the mixing and the edits and everything on top? Uh, Lonely's been pretty long, production-wise, because I started doing it and then... Um, Danny Gould, who was the original drummer in the Angels, um, because he's been, fur- you know, he's, he's furloughed or whatever, he's off with, with the COVID problem. Um, he said, look, I'm, I'm doing nothing. I said, well, come and help me with this. So he, so he took the stems away and he came back. And it was his idea to put all the the real sort of reverb on the pianos and everything else. And, um, yeah, so it, it was it was amazing, really, that the fact that it, a lot of the production side of it is down to, is down to Danny. To be fair, I can't take credit for that. I started off with, I had already had the strings on it and everything else, but Danny had a lot to do with the, with the actual final sound of the song. I mean, that that's one thing that measures, you know, great success and great, you know, being humble really is acknowledging mm-hmm. everybody around you, you know, like Sharon yeah, and it, Danny it, and the band and everything that goes towards a song. Yeah, I think, well, I think unless you Superman, I don't think you can do it all on your own. You know, even the biggest stars in the world have got a team of people around them. And I think that, like when I, I mean, a, a guy called Keith, uh, Keith Buck played the steel guitar on there, and I, re, I didn't really give him any remit. I tend not to try and. I like to see what the musicians come back with themselves. You know what I mean? Because I'm not a steel guitar player, so yeah. I can't really tell him. I kind of like know where I want the steel to be in the parts, but actually what to play, I kind of let let musicians do what they what they do best. Have you ever like watched YouTube videos and trying to play steel guitar? Actually, see how they do it. <laughs> no, I know that yeah, because Neil can play it very badly. The bass player, he's got one. Um, but actually, I say very badly. He, he played the steel on PS. I loved you, but he, he's not. A, he wouldn't claim to be a steel guitar player. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I watch these videos. I mean, I can barely scrape together a normal guitar, let alone a steel guitar. And yeah, it's 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 it's, it's, it's all the knee, knee levers and foot pedals and everything. Yeah, so. everything just together. You, it's almost it's like being a drummer. You know, you've got to have that coordination between left and right and side and. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's a difficult instrument to play. What kind of instruments do you like to play then? Um, I can play, obviously, guitar. That's my first instrument. I yeah. can play piano um, a little bit, uh, mandolin, uh, banjo. I think that's about it, really. You don't really hear mandolin. You know, I know it's very, very similar to a guitar. You know, it's just a smaller mm-hmm. version of a guitar. What 
what are like the train? How do you train to play like the banjo and the mandolin? Have you had like tutors or have you been self-taught or? No, I'm all self-taught. I've never had a lesson. Um, I taught myself to play guitar, and so I just picked up mandolin. Um, got a chord book, learnt where the chords were, and just I think when you've got a musical ear, you can kind of bluff your way through most things. Yeah. Do you prefer what? Do you prefer playing on stage then, or do you just prefer singing? No guitar. I loved. I'm, I, I started off as a guitar player. I mean, singing sort of came in by accident after. Um, so every band I've ever been in. I was never the lead singer. I was always the harmony singer and just, we always had a lead singer. And, and my brothers, you know, my middle brother was the lead singer of that band and the establishment, I would, we had a singer in that band. So the Angels is really the first band that I've actually fronted by myself. So It's so bizarre that, because you wouldn't have thought it. You would have thought that you've started off as a singer and then developed the guitar, mm-hmm. you know, on top of that. Cause I have... Yeah, no, I started off, I just, yeah, I just wanted to be a lead guitar player and just, you know, my heroes were like Ricky Skaggs and, Brent Mason and people like that and just and so I just wanted to be a guitar player but then obviously I've always sang I've sang since I was a kid but never really thought of myself as a, as a lead singer yeah and then after the establishment I thought you know I can sing you know I'll just give it a go um and the the, the the hardest thing was like training myself to be able to sing constantly for like an hour and a half <laughs> it's when you're just doing harmonies and you know sort of singing the odd song here and there that you kind of you're getting a rest all the time but when you're actually doing it yourself all the time I think that was the hardest thing. Have you blown your stamina up? Have you blown your throat out while singing? Do you know what? No, I'm really, really lucky. I I, I know a lot of singers that can't do like two, three gigs in a row, and I I can. It's like I I mean, um, I mean, I think the most we did in like four days was nine gigs, and and just like yeah, I'm just really lucky to be to be blessed with a with a with a road hardened voice. Where's the best I think place? The beer you... helps. Well, that's it. That's the beer all... helps. That's all that matters. Where's the best place you perform then? Where there's been the most the receptive. Best place. You know, where there's been the most receptive crowd kind of thing. Um, I like some of the festivals have been good. You know, um, like, I like playing. We've done FSA and done a little mountain and uh, uh, what's the one? I can't think of the one in Scotland. It's, it will come to me in a minute. Um, but yeah, just I just I like playing anyway. You know, I just love. I love playing. I just love playing in front of people. I'm a bit of a show off on the, you know, when I've got a guitar in my hand. Well, that's it. I mean, you've got to be that almost have that alpha personality. You know, you've got to. If you if you wasn't that, you know, that show off and that boisterous, you wouldn't really fit the stage. You'd be hiding it back at stage somewhere. It wouldn't be the same. Yeah, no, I think I think some people. Um, I'm, I'm not naturally not an extrovert. I don't think some people may, may, may tell you differently. I'm I'm, all, I'm almost normally the most loudest in every room but that's just my voice you know and but um yeah i just i just but i just love to perform and i love i just there's nothing better than playing music with your mates that's that's the best thing for me yeah right there is what what that that's that's what matters it's loving it yourself you know almost treating it as a hobby not a job kind of thing mm-hmm. i think you've got to treat it you know you've got to be professional about what you do and and i've always said the music is is it's always got to be you know first First port of call, but after that, it's got to be fun. You know, you've got yeah, to enjoy exactly. yourself, and you know. Well, end of the and, day, you know, you want the you want the band to enjoy themselves as well. You know, there's no point like sort of laying the law down, saying you've got to do this or you've got to do that. It's just like, come on, now we're all adults. Let's just go and have a good time. Yeah, end of the day, you know, if you're not having fun on stage, it almost passes on to the crowd. I mean, I've been to gigs in the past where the singers just haven't had that enthusiasm, and it, it dulls uh-huh. the room. But whereas if you go to someone that's almost like bouncing across the stage, you know, it passes on. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, it's weird because when I started, first started playing the uh, singer-songwriter shows and it was deathly quiet and, and I would be like, wow, I'm not used to this. I'm used to people <laughs> sort of, you know, shouting and having a good time or heckling or whatever. You know, I just like, I like the audience to join in. I think that I've always been one of the people that when I go to a show, I want to feel like I'm part of it. Yeah. So that could just involve just you know singing along, you know, getting a, getting a crowd singing along. But I always feel like it's my job to make sure that they felt like they've been to a show and enjoyed themselves. That's that's all that matters. Now going back way back in time, what was it that actually got you wanting to do music? You know, what was it that was the big influence for you? <clears throat> uh, my father. Uh, my dad was a well. My dad was a country singer. My uncle was a country singer. So music's been in the family. And then, like I say, both my brothers are musicians, so it, it was just a natural progression, really. My dad brought us up on country music uh, and, like, the Beatles. My dad's from Liverpool, so... Um, and it's um, country music's massive in Liverpool. It always has been. And um, 
yeah, so it was just it was just a natural thing that me and my brothers went into. See, that's crazy that, you know, not just being brought up in music, but actually mm-hmm. country music as well. Yeah, country music. Yeah, I remember I've been going to country music gigs since, uh, I don't know, maybe eight, nine. <laughs> that's awesome. Probably younger as long as, I, yeah, yeah. When was it that we actually learned to play the guitar then? How old was you? Um, I think I started playing. I was a bit of a late bloomer. I started playing properly when I was 14. That's still I wanted, young. Yeah, I wanted to be a footballer, but then I realised I was never that good. But um, <laughs> That's what uh, we wanted but to my, be. My, yeah, I know, I know. Uh, but my brother, my, brother uh, my middle brother, Daniel, asked for a guitar for Christmas one year, and, and my dad brought us all one, so we got a guitar each. And... Um, yeah, and so Daniel was like 11, 12. And so I just thought, you know what, why not? Let's give it a try. Yeah. And we all, well, me and Daniel learned to play guitar. Stephen actually ditched the guitar and moved on to the drums and became a drummer. Now, Stephen and Daniel, what are they doing now? Are you like, are you like the middle brother or are you the oldest? No, I'm the, el- I'm, I'm the eldest. I'm the eldest. Then there's Daniel, then there's Stephen. So yeah, Daniel's got his own band um, and Stephen plays in that. So. Ah, fair enough. Have they ever thought of mm-hmm. coming on tour with you? Not really. We fight too much. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we've been talking about recording a couple of tracks together, um, just just for the just for the sheer hell of it. Um, but yeah, they've got they do their thing now, and I do mine. Yeah, fair enough. I can imagine there's been a a lot of tension brewing, especially when you was actually performing together. What? Oh yeah, we used to. I mean, Oasis had nothing on us. To be fair, there was three of us. <laughs> we've had we've had fist fights outside venues and all kinds of stuff. Um, and just because we're, because we're so alike, I think that's what it is. You know, we're just we're too alike to kind of like to give in to each other. Yeah, I bet you always won though, being the eldest. No, 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 no. I lost a couple. <laughs> <laughs> it's growing up, isn't it? <laughs> it's part and parcel of growing up, being being one of three brothers. Go on, you mentioned that you wanted to be a footballer. Who do you want to play for? Liverpool. Liverpool? Do you support yeah. Liverpool? Yeah, I do. My dad, because my dad's a scouser, you see, so it was follow Liverpool or follow tennis. You know, it was, it was red, or, red or nothing. Red or nothing. <laughs> well, congratulations, anyhow. Thank you very much. It's been a long time coming. Been a long time. For people that don't know, it's been 30 years. It has, but I'm old enough to remember when we won it the last time, so... <laughs> Christ, 30 years. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you've heard of my previous podcast, but I'm a Leeds United supporter. And there's always been a bit, okay, of, good. There's always been a bit of tensions between Leeds and Liverpool, but I've, I don't see mm-hmm. it. I've always, been a, I've always been a fan of Liverpool and I've always been... Yeah, I've, I've never really felt that between, between Liverpool and Leeds, to be fair. But I know there, are, there can be rivalries. Now, if it was Man United, that'd be a different story. Well, yeah, there is that as well, but we'll probably share the same. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, especially watching from start of the season to now, it was you could see it just building and building and building, and Jürgen's really... It's, oh, it's ne- phenomenal. He's the I'm, team. I mean, to be fair, it started last season, you know, to get to 97 points and not win the league and, you know, run City that close, who I think that probably technically they're a better side than Liverpool. But I think that... You know, Liverpool are just a machine. You know, they grind teams down. They they just they never know when the when the when they're beaten. And yeah, I think it was just a, what they've done where City didn't. I think Liverpool have just picked up where they left off yeah. from last season. They just carried on that momentum. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy at the start of the season because not only from the previous season there were so many games that you won or had clean sheets with. It carried mm-hmm. on, you know, up until like Christmas. Yeah, I think we were really, we were really lucky. To be fair, first maybe ten games of the season where. We got results out of games we probably didn't deserve. You know, I remember the Sheffield United one when the keeper dropped it and that, you know, awarded us, you know, three points. And I think that, you know, we got a bit of luck. But, you know, when you're that end of the table, luck does go with you. Yeah. Well, I'm a Leeds United fan, so, you know, luck for me is almost every single game. You're, yeah, yeah. But they're doing all right this season. You know, I think they'll, they'll, they'll win the league, so. I'm nervous. I am, I'm breaking it. <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit tight, man. It's a bit tight at the top. So they, they could, you know, but I think that he's done a good job, Bielsa, when he's come in. And, and you know, they've spent money wisely. They've got a good squad, so. Yeah, well, we drew yes against Luton. Luton at the bottom of the table. So when you see results like that. I saw the like highlights. That... Yeah, I saw the highlights. But again, I just think I just think the Championship's the hardest league in the world. I think that oh, yeah. you've only got to look at how many times top place or top five. You know, it goes. it always goes down to the last day of the season just to get into the playoffs. So you know how tight it is. And how difficult it is to get out of that league. So yeah. I don't think there's any shame in losing to, to the bottom. 
I mean, it's crazy because like QPR, they're almost contention, you know, contenders to go up, and now they're almost like contenders to get relegated. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's crazy how quick. I mean, obviously living in Nottingham, a lot of my friends are Nottingham Forest fans, and and you know this is they're doing really well, and they're they're in the shout with the playoffs. So, so, but you know, when you look at how many points are in it between sort of eighth and and six, it's, there's not a lot in it. Yeah, and then there's only like six. What is it? Six or seven points between the top two and playoffs. You know, bottom of the playoffs. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's it's really tight. Yeah, that, that's why I break it. It's because, you know, all it takes is a couple of losses. Next thing you know, you're at bottom of the playoffs and we go through the same old crap as normal. Yeah, well, you've got to have a bit of faith and just uh, hope for the, the old nerve. When was the last time you managed to get to a game then? Or have you been to a Liverpool game? Uh, the last game I actually went to was Barcelona. Crap. Semi final. Crap. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. No, I tell a lie. I went to um, I went to a Champions League game this season. That's, well, that's not bad going because I know what it's like. Because I've I've had friends that support Liverpool and trying to get hold of tickets, it's just oh, it's yeah, it's, it's a, a nightmare. nightmare. It's a nightmare. Yeah, I've got a guy that that kind of looks after me a little bit. But I can't always get them, but I do okay with, at some games. What about your brothers? Are your brothers Liverpool supporters or? Yeah, they're both Liverpool supporters as well. Yeah. <laughs> I bet it was. A, I bet it was a, a joyous time the other day, especially when Man City lost against Chelsea. It, it was. You know what? It was a bit of an anticlimax because I wanted to watch Liverpool win a game, and and you know to that to watch Chelsea win it for us. It was like, oh, you know, I would have been would have been great if he went down to the City game on Thursday, and you know, I mean, it, it was almost like a. Um, it was a great thing either way. You know, either walking onto the ground at City as winners, as title holders, yeah. Or uh-huh. actually beating them at their own ground. I think I would have preferred to see him beat them. Yeah, I think I would. I think it would have been nice for Liverpool to win the league with a win. When you're at games, then what kind of drinks do they serve there? Because I know it's a bit naff at Ellen Road. Yeah, it's it's crap. It's Carlsberg and it's it's in a paper cup. So. <laughs> oh, do you don't that... mind Carlsberg? But I just don't like any beer in a paper cup. I mean, there's or there's better beers. Glass. There's better beers. There is. There is indeed. There is. I mean, I, I can't. I can't really say much though, because Ellen Road has got. I think it's Foster's, and Foster's okay. is all right, but yeah, it's not my. Ghost. I just think plastic glass is just. Uh, <laughs> it's just not great, is it? No, it never is. I mean, I love going to away <laughs> games where it's the uh, plastic bottles, but it's never as much. No, no, that's right. You have to get two. <laughs> At least it's easy to hold, though. You can hold like three bottles in one hand. It's great. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what's your go-to drink? Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels. Do you mix it with anything mm-hmm. or just have it straight? A uh, little bit of Coke. Normal Not Coke? Not too much though, because it's... Normal Coke? Yeah, normal Coke. Yeah. Ah, fair enough. I mean, I can't be a Jack Daniels. Love it. Love it. Yeah, plenty of ice and just, like I say, just a little bit of Coke. But if you get like the Gentleman Jack, then no Coke in it at all. Oh, yeah. It just ruins it. What about ice with like just, Gentleman? Just ice. Yeah. Yeah, just a couple of cubes of ice. See what I like is those. Um, I like those like freezable stones that you can get, so that way you're not mm-hmm. watering down the whiskey as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your yeah, um, you just, uh, What's your go-to beer? Uh, pretty much drink anything. If I had to choose, I really like beer Marette, and that's quite nice. Um, Amstel, quite like Amstel. Yeah. Um, I like the Heineken, the cold. Well, I'll be honest with you. Probably <laughs> there's any Carlin I don't really like, and I'd drink that at a push if that's all that was there. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, we we've all done it. Especially, yeah, especially yeah. like Red Stripe and. Oh yeah, to be fair, I like Red Stripe. I like Red Stripe out of cans, believe it or not. But I think that just reminds me of gigging. Yes, because you, know, you, you, sell, you sell Red Stripe at a lot of music venues. So I'm not I'm not a fan of it off off draft, but I do like it out of a can. <laughs> See, before I really started getting into the country scene, I was a big indie fan. <clears throat> so I'd like okay. all, I'd like all like your um, Shed Seven and Arctic Monkeys and Reverend and the Makers yeah, that yeah. kind of vibe. Uh-huh. And there's a couple of bars around Leeds, and all they'd serve is Red Stripe on tap. Literally a whole yeah. bar. There's th- about thirty uh-huh. pumps. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it is nice. It is a nice drink. Now, what kind of things do you like to do when you're not gigging? You know, what's your go-to activities when you're just chilling out and unwinding? Um, having my kids around that's cool because um, I'm not with my kids mum anymore so we share custody of the kids so when they're here it's nice the house is um, noisier as it should be 
Um, but not when I'm trying to record stuff. I like it to be quiet. But um, yeah, and like, like I say, watching football, um, still play a little bit of father's side, but I'm, I'm, I'm ready for retiring, I think. Yeah. What, what position do you play in five side or is it just everywhere? Everywhere. Well, where I haven't got a run much. I used to play centre mid when I played competitively, but um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I just kind of, where I can get away with walking about now. <laughs> I, bet that's, I bet that's murder on the knees. <laughs> it is when you're carrying a bit of extra timber as well. It's not great. I ain't not carrying that much. <laughs> Ask my knees. They might tell you different. <laughs> Yeah, I used to play, um, I think it was seven aside, and it was always like centre defence kind of thing. It was yeah, always yeah. around the back half because I'm quite a stocky lad myself. And mm-hmm. yeah, no one could get past me. But I was always. Stopper. I was always, um, especially with the uh, small goals as well in seven and five aside, it's so much easier. Mm-hmm. You just throw yeah. yourself. Yeah, it's a different game to 11 aside. When you've um, when you're actually performing songs, then and you've had guests like you know Callie Ashton, you've had you know Kezia mm-hmm. Gill. Who, uh-huh. When you're actually performing performing them live, you know, do you ever get a chance to bring them along? Or yeah, sometimes me and Kezia did a couple of gigs together last year, um, and uh, we we if we're on the same sort of festival lineups and stuff, and we know we're going to be, you know, well, I'm quite happy to jump on with her or, or vice versa and stuff. So yeah, it's nice. It's it's cool, man, to be able to. That's the cool thing about festivals for me. You get to see, you know, a lot of your friends and you don't get to see all the time. Yeah. You know, get together and have a few drinks. Yeah, the reason why I mentioned Kezia is because you two have got a song together called Love Me Now. We have indeed. Who, who was it that wrote that? Was it a, like a co-write or a... No, I wrote that. You wrote all that? Yeah. Christ. Yeah. You, yeah. You've got the, the love in the heart, haven't you? I, I suppose so. <laughs> for someone with I wrote such that for somebody, a... Go on, I sorry. I wrote that for somebody else. I, yeah, I wrote that for somebody else a while back. Um, a couple of a couple of people that I... Um, oh, I was working with a couple of producers and they were sending... Uh, one was uh, sending people to Nashville to, you know, to try and get deals and stuff. So they were taking these songs with them. So I kind of wrote Love Me Now and Can't Take Any More was another one that I'd written for somebody else. Um, and then originally was gonna, I was going to do it with Callie when she was still in the Angels, and then obviously we didn't release it in yeah. time. And so uh, I just said, well, I just asked um, Kezia, because I knew Kezia before the Angels anyway. Yeah. So I just said to Kezia, Do you, you know, would you fancy singing on this song? She she said, yeah, and the rest is history. Has she written anything and then said to you, can you jump on this? Not yet. <laughs> See, that's what we need. We need, mo- we need more of you and Kezia. <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I love singing. She's, a, she's an amazing singer. You know, she's one of my favourites. Is there... Who- who in the UK country scene at the moment would you love to sing with most at the moment? Um, Withholding Kezia now. Yeah, with yeah. I mean, to be fair, female-wise, probably my favourite singers. Kezia is one of my favourites. I really like Emma Jade Garbutt's voice. Um, I really love Kira Mack's voice. Um, I love uh, male-wise Southern Companion. I love Darren Southern Companion, and we've done. Uh, we did uh, sang together on one of the Angels sessions that's on YouTube together. Um, Stevie O'Connor I quite yeah. like to do something with Stevie O'Connor um, and, and we've been chatting me and Stevie about maybe doing something together so hopefully and you know, we'll get that done Awesome, now you mentioned earlier that you've got an album written already mm-hmm. when can we see something from that? Well I'm hoping to get it out in the autumn um, because like I say some of the tracks are already finished I'm still, because I've got so many songs now I'm just debating which ones to put on the album which ones not and do I leave four off and then do an EP straight after as well? Um, but hopefully we've got a tour announced in November. We're just waiting for the okay for that, for obvious reasons. So yeah. I want the album to be done before then. Can you tell us more about the tour? You know, whereabouts really. it's going to be? Or... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, there's, uh, there's eight dates in the UK and then three over in Holland. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. What's it like? Have you you've performed in Holland already? Mm-hmm. What's it like? I mean... I... I can't picture it because obviously you'll, speak, you'll be singing in English. I know they can understand bits of English, but... Oh, you'd be amazed, man. I mean, I've toured like Denmark, Holland, um, uh, Belgium. I've been to France, been to Spain. And you, and you know what? It's the only the English that don't really speak. <laughs> Every other nation speaks English really well. And I think music has a lot to do with that because they, you know, they listen to English music 
all the time. So they kind of they kind of get it, you know. Yeah. You don't really have to sing in in their language. They're quite happy if you sing in English. I mean, it's crazy because I was speaking with a a country artist from Norway called Daniel Borge, and he speaks with such clarity. It's almost, and he said that he actually learned that from watching like American films, and it almost sounds yeah, American. That, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy, and that, and that like I say, that's where where they they had start on us because. I'd say they watch, you know, all the the English or American films and, and listen to English and American music. So they 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 get that all the time and they listen to that all the time, you know. So that helps them sort of, you know, kind of get along with the language barrier. Out of all the places you've performed away from England, then <clears throat> where's your favourite place that you've been? Uh, America was good. Um, played in America a long time ago with my brothers. Uh, I really like Ireland. I know that's not really that far away, but I really love playing in Ireland. Yeah. It's always a good time. Oh, awesome. Mm. Where about, whereabouts in America did you go? Uh, played in Florida. So I did some gigs down in Florida. Oh, but that, when, what time of the year did you go for Florida? Because it, sometimes it can be horrible. Uh, it was September, October time, I think. So it was still, it was still warm, but it was, it was kind of like getting a bit of rain. Yeah. Starting, nice. to, starting to cool, cool down it down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember going holiday there. I think it was July, August time, and because of summer holidays and being a kid, and it was just mm-hmm. so thick. The air was—I can remember it now. It was. Oh, it's yeah, it's 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 so like. But the thing is, there's no humidity there, is it? It's not like over here, so it's kind of like. It's, but it's it does get tremendously hot over there. I love the electrical storms as well. You can find it's just so yeah. fascinating <laughs> to watch. Well, I've never seen one in person, but yeah, I've seen like videos on YouTube of them. Oh, it's it. We had a um a tornado warning at the time and literally okay. it comes on radio he tells you to go to a safe spot and then we was actually driving from one of the malls back to our villa and we watched this bolt of lightning strike this police car and it just wow. immobilized it in this like middle of this intersection and it was just so fascinating to watch i mean it was scary you know you're breaking yeah, it once you're driving home. <laughs> but yeah it was fantastic where would you like to perform then? You know, if you if you could pick anywhere in the world, you can't say the Opry and, you know, the Ryman and all that lot because it's our go-to answers. If you could choose any, like, destination, where would it be? Um, you know, I've never really thought about it that much. Uh, so I'd say, because obviously, like I say, the obvious one is the Opry and I'd love to play over there. But yeah, just um, maybe do a, do a tour of the States, that would be cool. You yeah, know, just to do you know a run of, a run of shows out there that would be that would be pretty special. I think that'd be awesome. I mean, it's something I'd love to do is do like a Route sixty six tour. Uh huh. Should, should what you should do is um, you and the band you should get like a big camper van and just just turn rock it up, up at gigs and just play some shows. That's it. <laughs> Proper enjoy yourself. Mm. That would be that would be a good time. All right, so is there anything else you can tell us about the album? Like how many tracks there's going to be or give us a little no, hint I mean, on one of them? I think that, hopefully, well, there's going to be at least 10. There may be 12, there may be 14. It just depends <laughs> how many I get done before before deadline. Um, like I say, we, me and Danny are sort of, um, Danny's come on board now to, with the production side of things. So it takes a little bit of work off me. Yeah. So we can do some mixing and stuff. So, um, yeah, we're working on, we've got two tracks we're working on right now. Um, so one's called Sink or Swim the other one's called Gone to LA Ooh. They're, they're, the, they're the working titles they may change but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see we'll see but yeah so hopefully yeah, the album's going to be a good a good 10-12 tracks yeah that's, that's a great thing with especially writing songs and doing all this stuff beforehand is because no matter what we talk about now it could just all completely change I know I mean it's, it's just crazy isn't it so I mean I mean, and also, I'm, I'm quite lucky, really, that I've got Chris, you know, the keyboard player at the Angels, has got his own recording studio as well. So um, he'll do work. You know, he did a little bit of work on Lonely, as, and, and Danny's got a studio. So we can, between us, you know, we can kind of get most things done between us. Yeah. Now, you mentioned earlier when kids come round, you're trying to keep it quiet, especially when you're recording. What is your, like, uh-huh. setup like? You know, do you have a a nice little home setup, or is it just a bog-standard mic and a, DA, a door system? No, no, no! It's full, full. I, I use Cubase Pro. Um, I use uh, KRK VXT monitors. Um, so, it, like I say, all my all my artboard stuff, preamp stuff is focused right. Yeah, so I've spent quite a little bit, quite a bit of money on it. Can't be focused right. No, it's pretty. It's it's. I, I, 
It's only that I know the reps, so I kind of get stuff <laughs> at, at trade. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, that's you've got yourself a good contact there. Yeah, it's not what you know. It's who you it's know. All you know. <laughs> yeah. Out of all the equipment that you've got, then, what would you say is your favourite kit? You know, have you got any like special mics that you use or things that you take with you when you go gigging? Not really. I've I've got a collection of like Rode AKG. Um, I've been just looking at some Astons as well. So everyone's raving about these Astons, and they're not that much money to buy. So yeah. I may be looking to get some of them. Fair enough. You know, I mean, mine's just a run of the mill Rode Procaster. So it does my job. Does the job? Does the job? You know, it's at the end of the day, it's you know, recording is expensive. Yeah, you know, to do it, you know, and I think that you've got to, like, I say, Chris has got some crazy outboard stuff and some, you know, equipment. He's got Neumann mics and all that. So between us, I kind of, I've kind of got the whole package really. It's just I just got what I need at home. Yeah, I mean that that's it. To when you look at all the equipment that you need, and then you look at all the rack mounts and everything that goes with it, to have a decent, mm-hmm. decent setup, it's so much. It's thousands. Well, hundreds of thousands. You know? Yeah. I mean, you can see why these record labels and these, you know, these mixing studios, you know, they make so much money because they need to invest in this good equipment because the better equipment does create that better sound. Yeah, it does to a degree. I, I, you know, I, I, I agree. And I think, but sometimes, you know, these tricks of the trade and, you know, mixing and I think uh, the way technology is going now, everything's in the box. It's amazing what you can do now, yeah. you know, with a computer. That, that, that's like you say, with a computer, it's great, especially when you've got these, these preloaded, beats and the you know everything mm-hmm. that's preloaded already you can pretty much make a song with yeah what's already i mean even it, yeah even like the plugins now you can get you know i know people that that, that you know like i know hammond organ player that wouldn't only ever use a real hammond but now it's like the, the plugins you can get sound exactly the same yeah you know? but the issue that i always have with that is it just it never really is the same especially when when you want to go out live it's just never mm-hmm. the same Oh, it's, I mean, I have a thing with, with drums. I mean, I try and, you know, obviously we can record live drums. So I always feel like a live drummer always sounds better than, than programmed drums. Yeah. Even if a drummer programs, because you just don't get that feel, Yeah. you know, of a, of a drummer playing it. I mean, that, that's a great thing as well is when you're actually, when you are playing it, you can always tell if you just need to adjust the rhythm or the tempo slightly, or it needs a top hat rather than a, you know, a, Clash symbol. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's great. It's, it's great for for, for edit, editing. You know, if you if you're using program drums, then to move, to move things around, the edit, editing wise, it's so easy. You know. Yeah. Now going on from there, when you're actually organizing your EP, you know, mm-hmm. your previous EP or your new EP or album, what's it like for you then actually choosing the songs? You know, actually saying okay we're going to have this song here this song here this song here and we're going to get rid of that one because we want this one in what's it like for you i think once once you get the, the batch of songs that you think you're going to make it then you kind of live with them for a few weeks put them on a cd or whatever or put them on a playlist and and then i'll send them out to the lads in the band and just listen to them get their input yeah you know on what 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 you know what they think the strongest tracks are maybe a, a track order just kind of get everyone's input i don't kind of sit down and go right this is how it's going to be yeah. Um, I'd like to hear everybody else's input as well. When you actually had the songs for Outmanned, Never Outgunned, what was it like with that? You know, was there any songs that you pulled away from it and said, "Okay, that's that can wait a bit. We'll release it later." Yeah, yeah. I mean, to be fair, we had a couple more that um, probably could have made that EP, um, and I think there's one extra one on the digital version than there is on the on the on the physical one. So you got an extra track as well. So, but yeah, it was just a case of like, we got, got together and listened to the tracks and thought, you know, this is a good little collection of songs. And, and to be fair now, it's, I mean, albums are a, a bit of a thing of the past because with, with streaming now, everyone's streaming, you can just download a track, you know? Yeah. So is it really worth doing an album? I don't know, but I just, I want to do an album purely because I set out to do an album with the angels and we've done two EPs now and I want to do an album. Yeah. I mean, that's always the biggest debating people in artists own mind is whether to release whether it's going to be a single or do i release an ep or do i release an album Mm -hmm. now you know when is the right time kind of thing and that's where the manager comes in you know that's the great yeah yeah it is and i think like i say the the music industry has changed massively from in the last 10 years so 
streaming now, you know, people can just go out. Whereas, whereas years ago, you had to physically go out and buy an album, yeah. you know, or if you wanted a track, you had to buy the whole album. Now you can just buy the song. So um, it, it kind of makes you wonder, is it worth sort of putting an album out or just put tracks out individually? But I think it's just nice to have a, a body of work that you can just put out in one go. Yeah. It's that whole, especially with certain artists that I've spoken to in the past, you know, they do an album because it's almost like a story. So you've mm-hmm. almost got like a start and a finish. I mean, Tennille yeah. Arts, her album, you know, that was the same. You know, there was a start, middle and an end. You know, yeah. with your album, is it going to be anything anything like that or is it just going to be a collection of your great songs? Yeah, I've not really set out to kind of do it, make a story out of it, but I suppose <clears> one, when I put the songs together, it might sort of lean that, that way. You know? Yeah. I don't know. But I've not really, uh, you know, set out to, to, to make a sort of a story album. Yeah, you're excited for it all to come out. Yeah, man, I love putting music out. I just like to see people's reactions and just, uh, um, and I just like people to just to listen to the music, you know, it's just, that's what it's there for. That's all it's about. Is there any music that you're listening to at the moment that you're thinking, yeah, this is good? Yeah, massively into Lucas Nelson at the minute. Yeah. Just, um, just saw his set on Glastonbury last year and just like, wow, this, and he's just, I can't believe how much he sounds like Willie Nelson. It's just, you know, it's and uh, I love Jason Isbell. Really into Jason Isbell, uh, Sturgill Simpson, um, Tyler Childers, love all yeah. that kind of stuff. Awesome. Well, getting towards the end of the podcast, what I normally do at the end is finish off with some like questions and debates that okay. normally go around. But first of all, is there anything that I've missed that you want to throw in now? I don't think so. Don't think so. What always just, happens at just, this point yeah. is I always say, oh, yeah, I've forgotten this. You know, is, is there anything else I need to add? And then once I've finished and I've pressed edit and I've sent it out, it's like, oh, no, I should have asked this question. I should have asked this question. Always happens. No, I think just just put just the social media stuff, the Facebook and the, and the Twitter and all that kind of stuff. But you can embed them in, I think, can you? Yeah, well, that, that's my next question is where can we find you on social media? Oh, on Facebook, uh, it's all just Stuart Landon, Angels Dirty Faces. Um, Twitter is uh, AWDF Music, uh, Stuart Landon Music on Instagram. Awesome. So we can find your music on Apple Music, iTunes, Google, Amazon, everywhere. Spotify, yeah, it's all there. Literally everywhere. So everybody check Every, it all literally out. Literally everywhere. Yeah, che- especially <laughs> yeah, check do. out Lonely. It's such an amazing song. It's just so emotional you'll you won't regret it i promise you that now now Stuart, these questions these debate questions now i'll give you a phrase and you'll be able to tell what i'm talking about is it a cake or is it a biscuit jaffa cake okay it's actually and i know the answer to this it's a cake go on what what's your reasonings behind because a biscuit goes soft when it's stale, a cake goes hard. Oh, I like that. I've not heard that one no, before. No, it's true. Well, because a friend of mine told me this story. Apparently, I don't, I don't know who makes Jaffa cakes, but um, they went to court because apparently you don't pay tax on cakes, but you do on biscuits. Yeah. See, I've heard and, and that they argued well. it. Yeah, they argued. I don't know how true it is, but they argued case that it was a cake <laughs> yeah i mean i've always said it's a cake i mean people keep telling me it's a biscuit and giving these great answers you know explaining why i mean i think bill and leonard said that he dunks you know you can dunk a jaffa cake which yeah, yeah. you dunk a biscuit you don't dunk a victoria sponge i mean i dunk jaffa no. cakes yeah i suppose so but yeah that's apparently the cakes go hard when they're stale biscuits go soft i love that and the jaffa cake will go hard and my last debatish question is Okay. Would you have pineapple on pizza? No. Is that a definite? Ever quick No, not hundred percent. No, I think it's dirty. I think it should be banned. <laughs> oh, Rachel Selick and Jessica Taylor are going to absolutely love you now. Yeah, it's just it, I just savoury and sweet should never be mixed. You see, I've always been the opposite. I I love it. I mean, I won't. I won't say. Yeah, some okay, people do. It on. Yeah, I'll never say, you know what, I fancy, a, I fancy you know, like a uh, meatball pizza with loads of pineapple on. It's got to be ham and yeah. pineapple if I do have it. But I like pineapple, I like pineapple, but I wouldn't have it on a gammon steak or I wouldn't, I'd have an egg on a gammon. <laughs> oh, gammon steak. Oh. Can't beat a good old fried egg and a bit of fried pineapple on a gammon steak. Oh, no, no, no pineapple, just the egg would do. 
Oh, I'll, I'll chuck the pineapple on for me. I'll take your pineapple. Okay, yeah, yeah, you could have mine. <laughs> All right, so the last set of questions, it's almost like a run-through, a day and a night kind of thing. So we'll start going up okay. towards the night, and okay. we're going out. We're going out for a drink. Where would you rather yeah. go? Would you rather go to a pub, a club, or a bar? Uh, pub. A pub. How come? Mm-hmm. You know, what is it about pubs that you love as opposed to bars or clubs? Uh, I mean, I suppose clubs now, it depends on music they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> so if I could find a club with decent music, then yeah, I'd, I'd say go to a club. Um, but I just like, I like just, I like standing at the bar talking nonsense with, with the lads yeah. over a beer. That, that's the best thing. That, that's and if it was song. a date, if it was a date, I'd probably say bar. Yeah. And then, you know, it's, it's a little bit, bit more at market. The great thing with bars is it can almost work as both. You know, during the day, it's usually a lot quieter and you can sit down and have a meal uh-huh. and then nighttime, mm-hmm. all the tables go away and it's a club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there is venues like that, you know. Some music venues turn into clubs as well, don't they? So. Yeah, I love it. I mean, you can't be a good, can't be a good sit down and chat and then a good drink at night. Uh-huh. Now, yeah, that's the best way, the best order. We've um, we've talked briefly about this already, but what is your go-to drink when you go to a bar then? We said it was Jack Daniels. Yeah, I tend to go on to Jack Daniels later on. I don't tend not to start on Jack Daniels. Yeah, how, how do you start? start? A few, uh, just just some lagos, I think. And then after that, it could go anyway. <laughs> Jaeger bombs or tequila or <laughs> oh, not sambucas. Sambucas. That, that's always like the lethal mix is when you go lager and then you go Jaeger bombs. And next thing you know, you've got three tequilas lined up in front of you and you're shotting them down. And then it's going back to lagers and then... Yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a bad combination yeah. sometimes. The night I do like a red wine as well, though. To be fair, I do like a glass of red wine every now and again. Can't be a good old red wine, with, especially with like a meal, sit down meal. Yeah, yeah, I like. I do like a glass of red. All right, so we're finished up. We're absolutely smashed out of our trees, and we're walking home. You fancy something to eat? Just to soak up that alcohol, because we do. What's uh-huh. your go-to like meal? Uh. It depends if we've got to walk. If I'm walking, I'll get a pizza because you can walk and eat a pizza. Yeah. Uh, if I can get it over quick enough, then I'd say a kebab. <laughs> oh, can't be a kebab. Yeah, what, Donna kebab. <clears throat> dirty kebab. Proper dirty. What, do you have chilli or garlic, yoghurt or mayo? Got Yeah, garlic, mayonnaise and yoghurt, mint yoghurt. Oh, can't be eat it. <laughs> what, I've been, what I've been loving recently is um, <clears throat> the uh, almost like Donna and chicken wraps. Uh-huh. So it's like a wrap but with everything that you have in a kebab inside it. And, you yeah, and they wrap it up tight, yeah. You can walk That's they're the that. best ones. Cause then, yeah, you can because if you walk and eat a kebab, you end up spilling most of it on the street <laughs> or down yourself. That, that, that's the issue with pizzas as well. I mean, I've seen people, especially walking home from Leeds, carrying a pizza, and next thing you know, pizza's on the floor, and they're just thinking, well, pick, pick a bit up here, and you're just thinking, oh, my God. Yeah. It's a bit dirty. It's three-second rule. Three-second rule. <laughs> How long's three seconds, though, when you're drunk? <laughs> It could be a lifetime, could it? <laughs> I suppose you don't really care when you've had a few. I suppose not, no. Going into the next day, then you wake up, you know, what's your go to mm-hmm. drink in the morning? Coffee, tea, water, juice? Uh I'd say coffee. Coffee. If you had to choose between coffee and tea, you know, throughout the whole I day. I can't can't drink tea. It's like pineapple on a pizza, it's dirty. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and from an Englishman as well, I'm saying that I can't stand tea. No, no, it's, I, I, I can get that. I mean, I love both coffee and tea, so um, I, I can see both sides. Do you have, like, milk or sugar in it or sweetener? Yeah, milk, one sugar for me, coffee. See that? I like to know this, so when I come round later, we can have a proper brew. <laughs> okay. I'll just go straight to the kitchen. <laughs> go on, then. Um, with a the coffee, we mentioned, like, biscuits and stuff earlier. What are you, like, go-to biscuits? Bourbons. Do you like to dunk? Bourbons. Yeah, can't be yeah, because you can with a bourbon. You can with a bourbon. They'll stand up to it. Exactly. I mean, especially with the shape of them as well. You got yeah, they're of... easy to go. Get them right in there, and because this double layer, then they hold on. You know what I mean? They hold up to it. Exactly. I mean, that, that's the great thing is you can hold it, and you've got plenty of you've got plenty of room. Yeah, yeah. None of this having to bite a little bit off to get it in the cup. It oh. just goes straight in. That's an nightmare. I mean, that that's a great thing with like hobnobs is because they can withstand the amount of liquid, whereas mm-hmm. like a rich tea doesn't. 
But yeah, no. bourbons are top level. Yeah, they are. They are. What would you rather have between like a pack of biscuits or a packet of crisps? Uh, biscuits, I think. What kind of crisps do you like? If you like them, I do. I do. I quite like uh, salt and vinegar. Walker's crisps. I think are my favourites. Oh, can't be a classic. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I don't mind. A, I don't mind a prawn cocktail skip. <laughs> oh, skip as well. I had skip for ages. <laughs> there you go. You see, skips and what was it? Um, frazzles. You used to have frazzles. All frazzles. Well. Yeah, bacon frazzles. Can't be eaten. Now, <laughs> going on from eating at home, we're now going to go out and get some to eat. So you've got a choice mm-hmm. now of either getting some quick and easy from like McDonald's or KFC or Pizza Hut or Domino's, or mm-hmm. would you rather go to a restaurant and sit down like a Frankie and Benny's? I think Frankie and Benny's are actually closed down now. That kind of thing, you know what I mean? Restaurant. Yeah, I think I'd much rather sit and eat a proper proper meal. What kind of restaurants do you like to go to? You know what? I'm I'm not that fussy. I like, I like it all. Chinese, Indian. Um, I like Italian. I like Thai. Um, French, French. Um, in fact, there's a really there's a really good Greek restaurant not quite close by to where I live. So yeah, I'm, I'm quite easy. I'm I like my food. That's it. That, that's that's what it's about. Not just choosing, but go with, go with the flow. See what you feel. Like yeah, there. just yeah. I think that yeah, variety is the spice of life, as they say. You know. So that's it. I mean, especially whenever you go on dates, you know, it must be so easy for you because one woman will be like, "Where shall we go?" And just Wherever. Where do you want to go? Yeah, wherever you want. Just don't get a pineapple on your pizza. That's all I say. That's, <laughs> well, only, that's the you only again. rule. <laughs> all right. I think we've got through everything. I can't see anything else that I've got Ooh. down. Is uh, Before we end it, is there anything else you want to chuck in? I don't think so. I think we've covered everything. It's been fun. Awesome. Well, like I mentioned earlier, everybody, listen to Lonely, download it, buy it, stream it, do whatever you can with it. Get it listened to. It's absolutely fantastic. Thank you for coming on, Stuart. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Likewise. What are your plans for the rest of the day? Uh, I'm just back in the studio, I think. Just do a bit more work on whatever I decide to work on. I've got about 18 songs that <laughs> I'm halfway through. <laughs> That's it. All work and no play. I know, I know. I might watch the football tonight and have a beer. That, that That's more like it. Do a bit of work and then relax, put your feet up, you deserve it. That's it, thank you. (laughs) Thank you everybody for listening and I'll see you all next time. Bye for now. That was the Country Chat Podcast. Join Dom next time for exclusive interviews, reviews and general chit-chat on all things country music.